Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter if you're still on that godforsaken sewer. I still am, and I know my guest is uh, filling in for Michael Gallagher, who had some family stuff he had to attend to out in Colorado. As they say, Jeremy K. Gover, the K stands for knowledge. Jeremy, how are you, sir? I'm great, Braden. How are you, sir? And you can follow me on Twitter because it's always going to be Twitter. I don't care what he calls it. It's Twitter because you don't X something. You tweet something. It's at it's Gover time. Uh, The media is so divided on this. Like half the people are like, and when you see it written, it's like an X comma formerly known as Twitter. And even right. some media companies are starting to drop that. And I'm like, no, it's just Twitter. No that one walks Twitter. around calling it, hey, go post this on Meta. No one says right. that. How um, many buses are wrapped with the tw- and then there's the, the Twitter Twitter logo, the little bird is on there. Yeah. You can't change that to X and have anyone know what you're talking about. You got to stick no, with what works, man. No one knows how to throw away $40 billion in brand equity faster than one guy. So anyway, you can get to us there in the sewer. Um, and of course, we got a lot to get to. What What is real... Because I find this interesting about hockey. It's the same with football, frankly. People overreact. Like, let's let's call it the one-week period, because that's kind of where we're at. We're a little bit late this week because we're recording on Thursday morning. But there's always this sort of what's truth and what's a lie in football, because each game is so... We overreact to each one 60-minute game in football. Well, there's more. There's okay. two or there's three or four in a week for hockey. But it's still the same thing. In a week three or four games, you just don't know that much about a team. You don't know what they're going to be. There's long stretches of the season where the the team plays very differently than they did the month before the month ahead. And so I want to know, you know, their last place, they're one in three. They're not scoring goals. The power play in the special team sucks. Stop me when anybody has heard any of this before, but what is real about it and what's not and what, what do we think is going to change and what's not. So what are we actually concerned about and what do we actually have optimism about? So what's real? That's what we're going to do today on the show. Uh, we've got an injury to the defense core already. How does that shake up the depth and the lineup with Luke Shen, lower body, played against Tampa over 15 minutes, uh, four to six weeks now. Looks like he's out. I'm assuming that means we're not trading Dante Fabro anymore. Uh, there's some at- interesting attendance numbers from across the NHL. Uh, we also have um, some messaging from the NHL directly to their head coaches, which I thought was interesting. And we'll look ahead at next week's action and take a look at goal scoring. Of course, because goal scoring is the Nashville Predators, hand in hand. Uh, before we do any of that, however, uh, Jeremy, that's where I put you to the test. Gold Standard is brought to you by yes. our wonderful and amazing friends at... Jaspers. That's right. And we're recording this Thursday morning. And I am proud to say that I'm taking my seven-year-old daughter to her second Jason Isbell concert at the Ryman Auditorium. And when I ask that little girl, where she wants to go on her date with her dad to the concert. She says, the place with the games, dad. <laughs> you need a drop. You need a, you need a drop right here on that. Where, where she says that out loud? Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. probably I should be recording her and, and manipulating her to make profit <laughs> at my business. That's right. No, she, 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 you know why? Because she goes in. I can take her. I can get a good meal, a good quality plate of food for a pretty decent price in a nice, clean atmosphere. Park for free down near downtown. It's a great little stop. She can eat a great kid's burger with some great delicious fries. She gets to run into the game room. We, we can play air hockey. We can play skee-ball. We can play pop a shot. We can do the whole deal. Uh, it's a great place to take. take For me, it's a great place to take my daughter. And then we just shoot on down to the Ryman, pay some stupid amount of money to pay down t- to park downtown, go to a great concert, and my daughter has the time of her life. So it's great for business meetings. It, it, you know, You guys know the deal. It's great to watch Preds games home and road. Um, especially for you cord cutters. It's great to watch uh, games at, at, at Jasper's. Uh, great drink specials, great burger specials, free parking, much cheaper than going to Bridgestone and much cheaper than paying for the Valley Sports app. So go to Jasper's and uh, you'll have a great time, I promise. And so will your seven-year-old. 
There you go. I don't know how I don't I don't know really need to sell sell it any more than that. Go to Jasper's. No. Nope. Yep. Just go to Jasper's. I've I've been there several times. I love that place. And I actually wish I was downtown more uh, because I would love to go there more often. All right. So since the last time we talked, three nothing shutout win over Seattle, three two loss to Boston on the road. And Edmonton does what Edmonton does to Nashville. Leon Dry <laughs> Leon Dreisettle now has 18 goals and 12 assists in in 50 shots in 10 games yes. against uh, the Nashville Predators. I want to get to what it all means. This first four games, they're in last place. I want to get to what it all means and what's real. But first, I would be remiss if I did not uh, comment. I know you guys, you and, and uh, Robbie Stanley, go check it out. It's all your fault. Uh, back on the airwaves, back up and running. Great to see that from you guys. A great, great episode. Uh, previewing all the Ekholm stuff. He had the tribute video. He got his big hug from Craig, from partner. And, you know, he was he spent a lot of time in, in sort of embracing the entire situation, which I think is really cool for him to do. And the only thing I want to add, I know I want to get your thoughts on it, but the only thing I, through my experiences with, with, with Matias, just speaking to him in the locker room, doing uh, radio shows with him, being around him, like, I'm not sure I can come up with a more pros pro on this team and a more professional human, not just a professional hockey player, not just a professional um, you know, defenseman, not a professional teammate or a professional leader, but a professional human. Like a guy who was, you know, as a teenager into his 30s, becoming a family person, and then teaching other people of the other young players around him how to be adults and adult hockey players, not just hockey players, but adults. I just can't remember a guy that's just more professional. I don't know what the right word is. Do you have a better word to describe Matias Ekholm in terms of how he's approached the game and then to see him sort of just do the exact same thing coming back wearing an Edmonton sweater? I don't know. It just it was like one of those things where you're just going, that, that guy is just a pro's pro, man. Yeah, I think that's put perfectly, right? A pro's pro because Matias Ekholm is a guy who was always cherished in the Nashville locker room by the media because he'd always give you as honest of an answer as he could. Uh, it was very candid again to a point, obviously no, there's no trade secrets or anything. He's not going to give you that, but he'll definitely tell you how it is. Uh, but he, he did it in such a respectful way. It's almost like, you know, you hear, sometimes you hear people say, oh, he gets it. Well, Matias Ekholm gets it, whether it's on purpose or not, I don't know, but he, you know, make a concentrated effort on understanding the media's perspective or understanding that we have jobs to do or whatever the case is, Matias Ekholm if you can put it perfectly, he is a pro's pro. He is a guy who's going to give you his honest opinion uh, that as much as he can. He's going to give you an insight into the dealings of the of the locker room as much as he can, and he's going to also go out there and it's not going to affect his play. And he's a solid yeah. player as well. So, yeah, I, I just I loved everything about him. He was always a great quote. And if you there's you know there's always guys on every team, right? The Titans have Kevin Byard, right? There's always guys on every team who step up to the plate when times are bad, if you will, and can still give you not a frustrated, emotional-led answer and be sarcastic and, you know, just basically look like they're, they don't want to be there. We know they don't want to be there. They just <laughs> lost the big game. Like, that's, that's not a secret, right? right. And he and he treats it as such. So, yeah, professional uh, pros pro, I think, is a great way to put it. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I did plenty of radio shows and I've had, and even I think I even asked him a question where, like, he, when you 
like you said, either it's a tough situation, a tough loss, or a tough subject. And or maybe I or maybe you screw up as the question person, maybe wording something just a little bit yes. wrong. Yes. Where he like, oh, I'm he's the professional hockey player that can correct that because I sort of slightly made a mistake, but he understood what I was trying to get at. And so, like, I even asked him a question about playing with PK Subban. I think at the beginning of last year, getting used to playing with a new with a new partner, and and he, you could tell he was kind of like, well, that's not exactly how it went, Braden, <laughs> you know. But he he just did it with such respect, and and it's kind of like listening to my wife talk. My wife is an empath who lives her life in other people's feelings, and so like, ask I. The only way I can tell whether she like likes you or doesn't like you or is being respectful or disrespectful is the fact that I've been married to her for ten years. Like, like you can't you can't tell the difference when she's asking a question when she's annoyed or when she's asking a question because she really likes you. Like, you can't tell. And I I, I have that like uh, translator ability as her husband. But I could see Matthias like taking in a question that he knew he didn't want to answer, that he knew was tough, and still taking the time to give something thoughtful and meaningful while also offering perspective. And again, I just think watching all the, all the stuff play out throughout the day, how he treated his return and how he, you know, leaned into it, I think is what you guys were saying on. It's all your fault. Uh, I just think that's, we, we can appreciate that for a second before we talk about how the team can't score goals. So, yeah, because there's an element to, there's so much coach speak and locker room speak and whatever else you want to just so much ridiculous filter. And I understand a lot of it. And this is just in pro sports, right? You don't want to give too much away. And right. okay, but and, and when people when when players answer like you know, oh well, the season's not over. We got a long season left. You know, plenty of time. Blah, blah, blah. They're not wrong, but we also <laughs> know that they're sugarcoating everything. So it's like a double right. entendre right. kind of one. Whereas Matthias Ekholm reminds me a lot of Barry Trotz in that degree of what you just said. He's very honest, very open, very candid, but he's also very factual, and he. I don't know. It's just the. I guess my point is, is that he's as authentic as. Yeah, it's not politician. It's not politician speak. Correct. It's, it's not spin. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. And so I and, and I really respect that. I respect that not yeah. only as a media member, but as a sports fan. I respect somebody not getting up. Well, you know, we got to play harder and coach better, and we got to you know make sure we complete our plays. Power plays got to be better. Like that's, that's all cliche crap. He actually gives a real answer, and I love that. It's it's Forsberg. Forsberg is the one that just gives you like the one and a half sentences of what you need to hear, and that's all he wants to say. Right. Oh uh, yeah. But yeah, most guys, yeah, are. yeah, we gotta we gotta we gotta get uh, get to the net, and you know, gotta finish shots. Uh, uh, you know, I just think it's you know, it's uh, we played a tough game. We, we were in the right spots at sometimes. We gotta fix some things. We gotta get back on it, and then uh, you know, we'll, we'll get back to practice tomorrow. Like that's that's Forsberg, and it's fine. It, it, there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. The, the only person better at, at this, I think, than Ekholm was probably Pekka. Pekka Rene is probably the only person that I could think of. And I think the final, the final point of this conversation that I don't hear, I have not heard in any Nashville sports media talk about. I I think you could argue, best beard on the team. Oh, for sure. Just putting it out there. Yes, for sure. Agreed. Like f- full, evenly shaved at all times. Just yeah, that's perfect a beard. moment. Yeah. Perfect beard. Okay. Uh, all right. What is real and what's not? We'll get to special teams, but I want to I want to discuss the goal scoring because that is clearly was clearly the number one issue coming into the season. It seems like we've the, the top line has kind of settled itself in a little bit, and and Parson in has scored a couple times. Ryan O'Reilly got got on the, the the score sheet early in in against Tampa. Forsberg, you could still ask a little bit more of those guys, but that is not exactly an elite top line. After watching Edmonton, I think we know what world class top lines look like. I think everybody, <laughs> yeah. I think everybody does. Um, but the, according to the advanced analytics, if that's what you're into number one team in the NHL, five on five 
from an expected goals, which just means the system seems to be putting the players in the right place to make the plays. And they are, I believe, one of the last three or four teams in the NHL in shooting percentage, which means they are getting there. The system is putting them there and they are in the right places to create goals. Nobody can score them. Now, puck luck, net luck, goaltending luck, shot luck, all that's a thing. That's going to get a little bit better. And I assume the expected goals gets a little bit lower. They've scored nine goals in four games. It's not the worst in the NHL, not the best. Certainly not on a per game average. But what is real? Uh, uh, When you look at those two stats, three losses, last place, can't score. We know they don't have a lot of talent finishing in those situations. But also the system seems to be doing its job. What do you make of, of those two stats? What's real? What's not? Is the truth in the middle? Okay, so the first part, well, there's two, there's two answers to your question. The first answer is, how, well, it's actually a, a, another question. How, if that's the case where the system seems to be working, the players are getting their chances, right? The goals expected are up, all those things, right? The number one in the league. Well, how much patience do you have? Right. This is not John Hines behind the bench where you're like, okay, let's let's get this going. You've already had time to prove it. This is Andrew Burnett. He's a relatively new coach. He's new here, obviously, but I mean, like, just as a head coach, and he's not, you know, he's not some 15-year veteran, right? So how much patience do you have as a fan base? How much patience are you willing to get? How much grace? So is it November? Is it December? Is it January? Like, like where where is the line to okay, like you've had your chances and you're not burying them. So clearly it's not working to me. Yes. It's more of the same that the predators organization has kind of known over the years. That's absolutely true. Power play, not working, not enough goals, all that. But does any of that surprise you after the off season they had? Yes. They brought in Ryan O'Reilly and that's fine, but they didn't bring in that sniper. Like I've been on the freaking mountaintops screaming for Alex to bring it. Okay. Because he's a finisher. Now they didn't get they didn't trade Ottawa for him. He went to Detroit, and that's okay, fine. Maybe the price is too high, whatever. But the bottom line is, they never got that guy. They never got the guy who is a bona fide 30, 35, 40 goal scorer that's young in his coming into his prime who can finish goals. He can finish the play. You didn't go get that guy. Are you counting on Forsberg to be an eighty-two game guy? I'm the biggest Philip Forsberg fan there is, and I can tell you that I don't even count on him being healthy for that long. He's going to miss some time, whether it be, like I said, it's all your fault podcast, whether it's two games for a suspension over here or three games for a toe injury, or he's got a bruised thumb, he's got three games. At the end of the day, he's going to miss 10 to 15 games this season at least. That's just that's just what you have to count on. And if he's your only finisher, where are the goals going to come from? So you put all that in a blender, and the first part of my answer is, how long are you patient? I'm answering your question with another question. If you're patient through November, fine. But if you're patient through game 10 and nothing's happened yet, you got a problem. So I'll pose that to you, Braden. Where, where's your where's your threshold at? I'm a big believer of two things can be true. Yes. I, I think for this team to be, again, only through four games. So if it continues, let's say whatever that date is for you, let's say they're a quarter of the way through the season. They've played 20-ish games, give or take. Okay. And they are still a top five team, say top five. So what I, what I like to do is I don't care about like number one versus number five sure. or, or or like you are among the best in the NHL at X. Right. And if they are among the best in the NHL at creating opportunities on offense, 
to me, that is a sign that Andrew Burnett's system is working. That's true. I could say that's true. I need to see it through more than four games, to your point. I need to see it probably through a quarter-ish of the season, whatever. But but more importantly, at the end of the year, if we have a full season with a bunch of young players and clearly no scoring talent and their expected goals, opportunities, the system has put the the, the players in the right places for the entirety of the season or even, again, the quarter of a season – then to me, I can start to say that is the Andrew Brunette effect. That is the system at play. That is clearly working. The other thing can be true. They do not have enough guys in those spots to put the puck in the net. And so it, it, it may actually just be that what we've seen in the first four games might just be real. I, I'm, I'm not willing to say that officially yet, because but I, I think we kind of know that they don't have enough finishing talent on the team. That, that we, that's not a new thing here. So I I actually think, and I rarely say this about hockey in a week of action because I expect it to come down. I expect the shooting percentage to go up a little bit and I expect the expected goals. That's a great sentence to, to go down a little bit. But if, if in general, this team is one of the worst 10 in shooting percentage at the end of the year and one of the best 10 in expected created opportunities, expected goals. I, I think that's kind of what this, team should be which is you've hired the right coach and put the right system in place and now you need to kind of keep building and finding scores so i, I just to me that's actually a positive and and and, and gallagher i asked him like hey dude what, did, what were your takeaways from the first four games i know you're out of town i want to make sure the audience gets your thoughts and he said right it's going to be okay preds fans yeah. they're, they're they're only a couple of bounces away from having a couple of more wins instead of being yeah. one and three the advanced stats say that the preds are doing what they're supposed to be doing they're doing it right they're just not capitalizing on their chances which is basically what we've said. And so, I, I don't know. We can get to the special teams. I don't think the, that applies as much, but I think we need a lot more data on the special teams before we make sweeping judgments. No, I, I agree with that. And I will say that there's there's truth to what Gallagher said, right? Like the Boston game, they they lost by a goal, okay? The Tampa game, they lost basically by a goal. It was the internet, right? So they lost by a goal. So They got blown out against Edmonton. It's at home, and that sucks. But it's also the team I have predicted to win the cup this year, right? So it's not like they went out and they got blasted by Columbus seven to nothing. Like that's a that's a different or Arizona. That's a different scenario. So my point of saying all this, the second part of your uh, second, my second answer is Brayden. Who do, quickly? Who do you think? If you're saying okay, the offense is coming from these guys mainly, right? It's a small group of guys. Because Colt says is not a goal guy, <laughs> goal per game guy. Who? Where is the offense coming from? Just look at the roster and go. These two, three, four guys. This is where they're. This is where who they can lean on. Well, and this is what my, Michael said. Um, it, uh, one of his follow-ups was, I was like, who do you think they need more from, to your point? Yeah. And he said they need more from Forsberg, O'Reilly, Evangelista, and Tomasino. And I'm curious about what you think with Evangelista, because uh, age is certainly a major factor here. But I, I don't know if he's a pure goal scorer as much as he is a creator and sort of right place, right time. I Parson and actually might be a guy who could score 25 goals. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if Tommy Novak's pace from last year is sustainable. We're going to find that out. He was talking after the game about how we've got to finish in the dirty areas. We've got to create some more greasy goals. And, you know, he's talking about that after the Edmonton game. Um, you know, again, the power play is not going to be too far from this conversation because when you go 0 for 10 against Seattle and Boston, like that's the reason you lost. Like you had a chance to win both of those games if you right. score probably one, maybe that's two right. power play goals. Um, you you, do, you go three and zero. I will say this about the Tampa game: it was it was sloppy and it was fun to watch. Sure, there's some people that don't have Tampa making the playoffs this year, though. So that th that Tampa team is taking a step back. So that is not the same as 
Boston on the road, the best team in the in the NHL last year, and Edmonton, a team that you and I and Greg Wyshynski and everybody else is picking to, to win the cup infamously. Um, so I, I don't know what to, I think Tampa game one, it's hard to really analyze anything. I, I think Parson and I, I do think Evangelista and Tomasino need to buzz more, like whatever that means, like take it. Cause Sissons to me, and I think you guys were talking about this. It's about understanding the system as a veteran with experience and where to put yourself in the right place at the right time. They seem to be doing some of that, but I think the younger players are the ones that are going to have to learn how to do that a little bit more. And they were talking about this with Connor Bedard, who, by the way, I believe is number one in the NHL in expected goals uh, I know. Cr- created or whatever, which is absolutely Unreal. bonkers. Yeah. But like one of the big things they talk about with him is this ain't juniors, dog. You can't just attack, 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 attack. You got to pick your spots. You got to know when to to strike, know when to go forward, know when to, you have to pick. The timing is so important. And it's a basic hockey principle. But it doesn't mean that Evangelista and Tomasino and some of those guys don't need to learn some more of that as they go along in this system. And I think that's what's going to come. But I do. I think it does depend on the young players developing. I really do. So I'm asking. I asked about the core group because you got four. Okay, so you have Forsberg, O'Reilly, Evangelista in that group. I would add Roman Yossi because even though he's not a goal scorer per se, the Great. points are going to come from him, right? Yeah. Yeah. But either way, those four guys that you've mentioned. Uh, and I'm, I'm throwing Yossi in. Have 58 shots on goal this season so far. One goal from those. Yeah, that's four not. Guys. That's not. That's not going to stay that way. No, right. But I'm simply yeah. saying that if you're looking, if you're a Predators fan, you're looking at okay, well, we lost the yeah. Boston game by a goal, yeah. the Tampa game by basically a goal. Well, there's. I mean, yes, the power play and all that. Yeah, that's okay. But he also got a shorthanded goal in that game. So this this is an issue where if the players play. That should play Forsberg, Yossi, O'Reilly, and Evangelista in this example step up. Then obviously that's maybe one or two more wins. So for me, it's just about leveling out. The season will level itself out. You just have to make sure everybody's healthy. And again, they need to address the major issue, which is they don't have a finisher. They don't have one. So if you go out and get and Connor, <laughs> go Gar- get Connor Garland is not that guy. Yeah, right. Thank you. And we'll get to that. So Connor, he's not that. But if you can go get a guy like that or you find a guy, let's say Kemmel in Milwaukee is like the guy. OK, OK, well, eventually he's ready by, let's say, game 20 because you're just throwing stuff at the wall, hoping it sticks. He comes up, lights it on fire. Well, then you found your guy. OK, yeah. that's best case scenario. But my point, though, is that they never address that. And that's where they're at. So if you're ex- if you're excited about the season, that's great. But I think the patience and the grace needs to be there because they haven't addressed the major issue. Whether they tried to or not is another story. But they haven't addressed the major issue, which is goal scoring. Well, it's so funny. Like I, I, I when you're in this business for long enough, what happens to your brain is like you have expectation brain, and so like it sounds like I'm being. I feel like I'm being like overly positive about a team that is in last place and probably could finish in the bottom three in this division, likely. Yeah. Probably yeah. missed the. I mean, their over under was eighty six and a half points. I think I would take the over on that. They've only done that like twice in their entire. Oh, I, agree. I agree. In their entire history, when they play eighty two games in eighty two game seasons, um, but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're a playoff team. Uh, but I can blatantly see the the system taking shape in just a very short period of time. We'll see if they again does that sustain. So, like, here's another point on the on the special teams. And again, I'm this sounds overly optimistic. Two for seventeen. If they finish the season at eleven percent, that'd be like the worst in the league. Well, right now oh, we don't. Yeah. Right, right now it's sort of in the middle because like it's too it's too skewed. We don't know what the numbers are. But the point is, is they've had seventeen power play opportunities, which is third in the NHL in four games. I tie that directly into the expected goals. They're playing a game 
that yes. is forcing teams to take penalties. So Great. if they can, if 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 they are <clears throat> among the best in the NHL at expected goals, and they are among the NHL leaders in power play opportunities, that to me shows that the system is working over time. Uh, two goals out of those seventeen chances, eleven percent, not good. Got to fix no. that. No. Uh, on the other side, so that's like me being overly optimistic about a terrible statistic, right? Two of seventeen. But the 17 is what I'm thinking about because my expectations are this team isn't very good. So when I see good things, I'm like, oh, all right, let's talk about that. But but giving up at least two power play goals in three of your first four games, taking 15 penalty kills, which is uh, also among the top five in the NHL, and 60%, of course, will never be a, a number. You know, your, your penalty kill is not going to be 60. If Again, if it's 60, it's like the worst in the NHL. Uh, so those, those those percentages will even out. But They've given up way too many goals and they've taken a lot of penalties. So I don't, that's another question I have is while I'm going to spin the, the power play in a positive, I think I have to spin the penalty kill in a negative. Well, I think the, the, the wrap up to this conversation is that, that if you are having that many power play opportunities and you're not scoring, that's one thing. But I will also say that if you're looking for positives, if you're trying to be captain optimistic, right? A couple of those power play opportunities that they squandered were only two or three seconds long. Right. They they all yeah. they, they go into the, they go into the stat sheet as a power play. If you you know, if, if it's two seconds, well, you didn't score on it. But at the end of the day, again, if you're really nitpicking and you're trying to figure out, OK, well, really, is it two for 14 or is it two for set? Like you, do, it's just one thing you got to think. I'm not making excuses for that. It's still the bottom. The number is still the number. But for me, again, it comes down to power play and not addressing the major need, which is a finisher. I like, and I get to your point. I I do not want to see this franchise right now go out and and expend assets for an established prime thirty goal scorer. This team and organization is in a place to give itself time to develop one of those guys. Yes, they have, they but... have too. They have too many. Hang on, let me. They have too many first round picks in those situations. They need to figure out if they have one there first. Like it, Kimmel's the number one choice, right? There's other guys too. like find out if one of them is that before you go and get the big name, because I think you need to be further along in the re rebuild, whatever you want to call it. You need to be further along in that process before you then start buying pieces. So I, I want to see, let those, let those first round picks at, in Milwaukee, let the young kids on this team, which is essentially Parson and, and, and Evangelista and Tomasino, let them get their, like, Get, get 30 games under their belt and let's see if one of them can become that guy or if they all can be kind of like 22 goal scorers. And if we've got a bunch of Craig Smith, that might be enough. Right. Like from a scoring standpoint, not I'm saying the, like with Evangelista, I can see him being like a 20 goal, 35 assist guy. That's not Craig Smith. Same. That's a, that's a creator. And if he can add some finishing to it, he becomes a top six forward pretty easily. So I want to, I want to let them, I'm willing to be patient to let this whole thing play out. The system seems to have been to be providing opportunity. Now let's see if we can fill the pieces in with some young players that can do those things. It just takes patience. And sometimes that's hard to ask a fan base. So, but they know what they're getting into. This has been 25 years. This is the first time they've had to do this. You've got to let them do it. Yeah, that's a great point. I I, I just think, you know, it it comes down to that. Like I've said before, and I'll, I'll, I couldn't agree more with you. I think it's the patience and the grace are the key. If you can be patient enough. Now, again, if you're in February and you're clicking at 11%, 
there's a big, big problem, right? But but there is patience as far as doing anything about it. I'm not say, sitting here saying that Barry Trotz should go out and address the problem right now. I'm not saying that because you might have a guy like Kimmel or Evangelista or somebody step right. up. Tomasino all of a sudden finds a strike. How many goals in his rookie season, Brady, did he either miss or hit a post? It was like nine or 10, right? So he yeah. could have been a 20-goal scorer. Rookie season, but he, he had bad luck, right? So what if that evens out? And he is your guy. He gets confidence. Next thing you know, he's a top. So there's so many things that can work out. The issue is it all comes down to the initial question I asked you, which is what is your, as an individual fan base member, as a listener, right? Like what is your, as a fan base member, what is your threshold? Is it 10 games? Is it 20 games? Is it January? Is it the trading deadline? Does, it, all these factors, it all comes in. And I think the bottom line is if you have patience and you have grace right now to let Andrew Burnett do his job, if you have the patience and grace to let the players find out where they sit, on the bus, as Barry Trotz used to say, the new guys, right? And if you have patience and grace enough to say, okay, veterans, coach these guys up. You know, make them pros. Then yeah. you just see what happens. Yeah. I, uh, I Whatever you, you, the great audience member and listener who frequently goes to Jasper's, of course, <laughs> I, I think... I think whatever that number is you just have in your head while you're listening to Gover Talk, I think you need to add two more to it. Yes, I agree. Like if your deadline is like December, needs to be the trading deadline. If your deadline right. is if, if your trade if your if your threshold in your mind is the trading deadline, needs to be the end of the season. Of the like, season I just think right. I think whatever your threshold is, you need to plus two is what is what I think I would do with that. Um because I'm I'm more in the like year and a half thing, honestly. Oh, really? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, dude. I, I don't think you can do this quickly. I don't think you can. So so then what so I'll ask you the question I asked Robbie then. So wh why what's the motivation for a guy like Ryan O'Reilly who wants to win who is you know he, he wants to win a cup right McDonough's never been on a non-playoff team until last season his first with Nashville like what's his motivation to stick around or be motivated like other than the fact that they're just leadership guys which I get and that goes a long way what are the, what's the motivation for these guys staying here? Why is Ryan O'Reilly coming here? Why is Luke Shin coming here? If they're just going to spin their wheels for two seasons and then they're going to be off. Uh, first of all, 12, 12 to $15 million a year. Um, that, was, that, was Rob, that was Robbie's answer. That's okay, number right, one. Okay. You get, you get paid a lot of money to do okay. this professionally show up every night. Number okay. two, it, they were all, they're always, they have always been stop gaps in my mind. They, they are filling holes with quality pieces. They had salary cap space. They needed some holes filled. They're filling those holes until they have a guy that's developed to take that okay. spot. They, they are play, They are all placeholders. And I would not be surprised if Tyson Berry, Ryan O'Reilly, Nyquist, Shen, all these guys are on the block at the deadline. If somebody gives sure. you enough for it, you take it. Yep. Because you, to me, you are in a one to two season rebuild. And I think by the end of next season, and this really is the ultimate answer to your question, by the end of next season, this team needs to be playing at like a playoff team second seed type of clip. Me meaning they need to be a points per game clip of a second place team in the division. I don't expect them to be number one by the end of next season, but competing at that two or three where you're winning three out of five, you're going three, one and one in most situations, which I realize is a, maybe better than a second place clip, but you get my point. I, yeah. There needs, there needs to be the framework of a starting lineup long-term by the end of next season. But that I am a very, very conservative patient, person in this world in the nfl it's different it's not the same rebuilds in the nfl can happen in one year right re re baseball basketball and hockey are different because the guaranteed contracts and because like it's just harder it's just harder in those in those sports nfl is different nfl you can rebuild in one draft 
Like it, it can happen. You get you get contributors, you get a quarterback, you make a couple trades, you cut a few old guys, sign a few young guys, hit on some pieces. That can happen in one offseason. You cannot do that in the NHL. So that's just my own personal take. So be patient. Head to Jasper's and get yourself a nice couple beers and take a breath. That'd be my advice. All right, let's get into some other topics here, sort of some rapid fire here. Again, uh, go to Jasper's. You guys know the drill. Free parking right downtown. Great, great, great specials. Beer, food, um, drinks, whatever. You get great specials uh, when Preds are playing. Home and road. Pop in there. Uh, They got bingo night on Thursday nights. Every other Thursday night. I think it's the second and fourth of the month each month. So they got lots lots of cool stuff. They got the grab and go market. You need to pick something up for the kids on the way home. You want to do a happy hour. You want to do a work lunch with the spouse. You want to go on a date on, on for brunch. Jasper's is your spot. So go check it out. Uh, quickly, we're not going to get into much of the schedule coming up, but they do play Laviolette on Thursday evening. So depending on when you're listening to this, uh, as it came out a little bit late this week, we'll have a lot to say about that matchup uh, next next week on the episode. They got San Jose. They do have a big break, though. And I was curious what you thought about this. They, they'll play on Friday against Thursday, Friday, and then Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So like they have, they don't play much hockey next week. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, Luke Shen out four to six weeks with a lower body injury, played a big chunk of the Tampa game and then left and has not been back. He is now shelved for a while. There's a lot of people that didn't like this contract, Jeremy. I, you know, they don't have a ton of depth on the defense. I know I'll speak for Michael Gallagher here. He would love to see Jake Livingston on the team at some point. Yeah. Um, but this also quiets down any rumors about Dante Fabro. So it seems like they kind of have a, a a set six now with very little depth. So w- your thoughts on the injury didn't really get to see him much in action. We know what he was. He's kind of an enforcer to defend Yossi. That was kind of what he was brought in to do. Um, didn't get to see him. Now he's out four to six. Not going to, not going to quiet the folks who were complaining about that contract down too much. No, but I think, again, just as we talked about with grace and patience earlier, I think this is another one, right? This is a new guy to the lineup. He, you know, he hasn't even got it, – it reminds me in a, in, a, in a different way, but it reminds me a little bit of Matthew Lombardi. Remember, they brought him in for a goal score, like a complimentary goal-scoring piece, and he lasted literally a, a game and a half. And he got hurt, and he, he never put on a president jersey again because he was hurt. So, again, not obviously not thinking that's the case, case with Luke Shen. I, but I'll give you a better one. He's, he reminds me totally of – Mark Borowiecki. Okay, Borowiecki had some. He had some. He had some playing minutes though. So a, a little bit, but like, I guess not. I thought he got hurt like in the second game of the season. He or did, something but like that. there's there's images of him in a Pred sweater in a game. Is what I guess what I'm getting at. <laughs> what is with Matthew Lombardi? There might be like one, right? So this is a you know if Luke Shen wants a hockey card next year on a Pred sweater, he's gonna have to get back in the lineup. Is my point. So. This is it's just one of those things where it's unfortunate. It happens. You know, I, I, there's probably nobody more upset than he is, honestly, come to his new team. And then, you know, he has a cup of coffee and he's done uh, for a while. But I don't know, Brayden. I don't know if to take tackle your other point. I don't know if it does spell the end for a Dante Fabro trade, because I think at last year's trade deadline, I think absolutely Fabro would have been moved. I don't I don't think there's even a question about that. But then the injuries started to happen on the defensive core. They didn't have enough bodies to fill it. And the guys weren't out of college yet. And they weren't ready to come up from Milwaukee, right? This is October. They could move Fabro, bring Livingston up. Stasny, a guy, you know, he's got Del- 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 Gazzo. Del- great Gazzo. Milwaukee. Yeah. Bring him up as a, st- as a stop gap and say, hey, you're here for a couple of weeks. And then when Shen's back, you'll probably be going back down. Just let him understand that and enjoy your time. I mean, there's, there's the options here. Whereas last year, they were still in the middle of a playoff race technically 
and there was no other warm bodies to bring up unless it's Jordan Gross and Kevin Gravel, right? So it's this is a different scenario, I think. This is the luxury of not having this is low. This is low expectation brain. This yes. is where I'm. This is where I'm at. Yes, you have, you have to find the the positives of the no expectations, and the no expectations <laughs> are the the no expectations are okay. You lost a, a defenseman who's not exactly a a superstar world beater, and uh, right. g- give one of your guys. Let's let's find. Let's here. Here's what this is. I think a very important part in sports in general. You need to have answers as a franchise. You, you, you have to. You have every franchise has unanswered questions across their lineup, front office, fans, stadium, whatever. The part of your goal is to you, winning is number one, and number two is finding question finding answers to questions that you don't have the answers to. And if you could find an answer, hey, which is who is the one guy in our system that might be a starting defenseman? They don't know that answer. We don't know what that is. And if that's Livingston, if that's Del Geizo, if that's Stasny, having a little bit more data to try to answer that question, not all that bad when you don't have high expectations. So Right. And again, it's early enough to do that. The, the, it's not like, oh, hey, we're battling for the for the central title and we need all the, you know, all, everyone, you know, grab your spears. Like, this right. is not that. This is, right. it's October right. in a season you already think you're not going to make, make the playoffs. You want to, but you don't think you're going to. This is the this is a very unique time in Predators history where they actually could say, "All right, you want Fabro? We have a surplus of defensemen. We got two guys right now, two guys in Milwaukee that could step up right now and play NHL minutes in Stasny and Delgado." And sure, let's let's do it. If the price is right, let's do it. Whereas last year they couldn't do that. Yeah, I I agree. Let's find some answers. Answers yep. like answers it. are just at this stage of a franchise. Answers are almost as valuable as wins. And I know that sounds crazy, but I am already one episode into the season because I wasn't available last week. I appreciate Nick Keyser jumping in to, to, to f- force family vacation on fall break last week. We went up to the mountains, so I was unavailable uh, as as uh, demanded by the boss, a.k.a. Mrs. Gall. And <laughs> and and uh, like, again, just uh, this is my first episode of the regular season. And I'm already I already feel so much looser than I expected to be because yes, like, no, sure. there's there's just no pressure on this team. And I like that. Um, yeah. so I'm sure the fans don't, I'm sure the fans want wins, but for, you, for, for contrast, real quick for contrast, right? Football fans know that the New York jets did not have an answer for the Aaron Rodgers problem. So they bring in this aging quarterback who they think is going to promise land or bust. He play, he lasts three plays. He's out for the season. Then they go back to Zach Wilson, who is horrible. So they didn't have a plan for that. And so an answer, they didn't have an answer for that. That, that question was is Aaron Rodgers going to bring us to the promised land? Oh, he's not even going to get us through the first quarter. And then that's a problem. So you got to address that. Just like the Predators, they've got to, this is a chance where they actually have a question. Could we trade Dante Fabro? And the answer is yes. You're in a unique position to do so. Let's see it. Let's do it. One could even say that the Jets did not immunize. Im- see, I knew I couldn't say it. They were not. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Immunization. They had not. Uh, there was no immunization for the Aaron Rodgers problem. One one could say. Um, <laughs> they also. I think he also got hurt on 9/11. A guy who doesn't believe. Anyway, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I listen. I, I I have a share of Packers stock on my wall. I'm allowed to say it. So it's that's fine. right. That's right. Uh, so here's the thing. Thinking about Eckholm and, and Tyson Berry swapping teams and watching Eckholm in a sweater. I know you retweeted Craig Smith scoring a goal for the Stars, yeah. which of course also has 
uh, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Suter on it. You, you like you, the number of like Ellie Tolvanen is something that people are going to watch for the next 10 years. You've got Victor, Ar- Victor Arvidsson. I mean, Rem Pitlick's playing for Peter Laviolette even. And again, that's way down the list, but it's not just that. I had a buddy text me and they were like, Tanner Janot's on the lightning. <laughs> I was like, yeah, five draft picks later. It was one of the biggest <laughs> trades, but like the, the, the number of like Johansson, of course, the number of former predators and it, it, I don't know why this struck me, but I assume people track all these players kind of casually, not, not hardcore, but casually. And I'm assuming each one comes with a very different, like emotional motivation. Like you probably watch Craig Smith and you're like, Oh, okay. All right. Nice. Good job. You watch Ekholm and like, you're rooting for Ekholm. Like you're rooting for Ekholm to win a, a championship. I think, I think the Kings are potentially a very good team this year. And Arvidsson's, is going to be there. Um, you know, Fiala, I don't know how people react to Fiala. I think that one's a little bit more sensitive. Uh, certainly no one's rooting for Duchesne and Johansson. <laughs> but I just find it interesting to see, and, and Tolvin is one of those that's just going to be like a, a trigger for everyone on the planet for a it's long time. It's an emotionally time. charged one. In yeah, so I, I just find it interesting that there are so many guys that were so important to this franchise and a part of some really historically memorable teams all of which are everywhere else in the NHL right now. They're everyone's watching them, and each one of them has a very different, like, like emotional response. I, I'm assuming from people. So that's a good point. I didn't actually think about the varying responses emotionally for the fan base, but I did come up with a list, Braden, for in preparation Ooh, of the show. So we I have so Matias Ekholms with Edmonton, obviously Fiala. So, so, and Ar- so you, so you, you tell me the name. I'm going to tell yeah. you how I think the Preds fans oh, should great. watch them. Okay, so we're going to start. I have in three camps. The first camp is drafted by the Predators. Okay, that's the okay. first camp. So okay. Matthias Ekholm, Edmonton. Uh, pure pure love, adoration, and rooting from openly. Fiala and Arvidsson in L.A. You get one and, and, you, end up, and you end up with the other if the Kings win. You, you absolutely want to see Victor Arvidsson do well. You feel like maybe Poyle moved on him too early if that, in fact, is the case. Uh, Fiala's different because you gave up on a very young, talented player, but he was also kind of like a... Like he, what I don't know. He was kind of a tricky guy to deal with. Yeah. Uh, he was a little prickly. He was a little cold. He had some like Nick Bonino, like kind of vibes to him occasionally, like, but very, very talented. So maybe you gave up on him too early. So I could just, I would say a positive reaction of Victor Arvidsson doing good things and maybe like a, uh, like a grumpy kind of, ah, uh, that, that rubs me the wrong way kind of thing with Fiala. But it's somewhat, some of that's Fiala's fault too at the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, that's right. His his is all attitude for me. Excuse me. Kelly Yarncroke in Toronto. Uh, I I think that I think people are so probably apathetic where it's just like Toronto could be really, really good. And if they win the whole thing, like way to go, Kelly. I think people like what he did. I think that they like what his effort was and he maximized his talent here and he didn't cost a whole lot of money. I I think way to go, Kelly. Ellie Tolvin in Seattle. Uh, so much piss and vinegar. Just yeah. <laughs> all, the, all the resentment you could possibly have for David Poyle and John Hines is is watching Ellie Tolvin. That's a hate watch. Craig Smith and Ryan Suter in Dallas. Uh, I think this is the one where I am very different than fans. I think people are dead wrong on Ryan Suter and should the, the booing of Ryan Suter to me is so silly. Not one of you would not have not one of you would have turned down that contract, even if you told David Poyle one thing and then went and did another. I think it's ridiculous. Ryan Suter is one of my favorite players to ever play in the NHL. I have no problem rooting for Ryan Suter. If he was wearing any other sweater, I would root for him even more. I don't like rooting for him in Dallas because Dallas sucks. Uh, 
Craig Smith is fine. I think people are like, yeah, way to go, Craig. Craig, like, good job. Like, way to go. But sooner, I think people are kind of like, I think I think they have the wrong reaction to that. But that's just me. Rim Pitlick in New York. Uh, ap- apathetic. Nobody cares. Although okay, so now this is the next. This is the next sub. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, but but if you're going to, it's more directed towards Poyle. Like, why'd you just put them on waivers? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So this then this next subgroup is the not drafted by Nashville technically, but obviously developed. Like they signed him as a free Tanner Janot in Tampa. That one's tricky because I think he's a player that people really, really liked. And if he does well, I think people are going to say, oh, man, maybe we gave up on him too early. But also it brought back a lot of stuff and he wasn't as good. So I think. Right. Can't you can't fault Poyle. He maximized Tanner Janot, it, both when he played as a rookie and when he traded him. That, but but if he ends up being really good for ten years, that's gonna be tough. Matthew Olivier in Columbus. Although he'll be forty. Although he'll be forty-seven by the time he's ten years. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, who'd you say? Matthew Olivier in Columbus. Oh uh, no, no opinion. Right. Uh, okay. Then this, the last group is players that National Predators fans know and love at one point. But they weren't drafted by Nashville. So yeah, Mikhail Granlund in San Jose, Luke Cunning in San Jose, and Matt Benning in San Jose. Pretty much vanilla, right? Yeah, I don't think too not too much there. Matt Duchesne in Dallas. I think you have to you have to package Duchesne and Johansson together. Uh, because I think they I, I think you root against them in real time most of the time. Yeah. I don't think you celebrate a cup if Matt Duchesne wins a ring. Agreed. I think I think you might have a few you may not you may lie about it in public. But you'll watch Ryan Johansson celebrate, and you'll probably go, all right, okay, good job, way to go. I'm rooting like, for Ryan Johansson personally. Yeah, I, th- I think I think people will come around on Ryan Johansson, whereas I think if Duchesne wins a ring, it, there's not going to be any love there. Much, much, right. much. Nino, 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 Nino Ryder in Winnipeg. Apathetic. Nick Cousins in Florida. Nobody cares. <laughs> Connor Ingram in Arizona. That's an interesting one Um, I because of the, the backstory. Yeah. I think that's an interesting one. I think people in general, you should want to see him do well. And I kind of like studying the Arizona uh, thing, like what they're doing. I want to see how it, how it plays out and how the Predators do do it differently versus similarly. So, And last one is Nick Benino in New York. Yeah, I, don't th- I think he was a better player than people thought at, in this team. Um, but he's kind of a grumpy puss, so I don't think many people are going to be rooting for him. Uh, you didn't, you didn't add Seth Jones. The only problem is you also have to watch Connor Bedard if you're going to watch Seth Jones. No, right. I, well, I, I knew I was, I was going to add an asterisk to that, which list was like, I did it on the fly. And so I knew I was going to forget somebody. Well, yeah, but Seth and he Jones doesn't, a big one. he, and he wasn't really a part of this team for very long. So, right. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's an exhaustive list. It's interesting Man. to look around though. It's interesting to look around the league and say, Hey, like there's a lot of players that let's just say 20 years ago, right? We wouldn't have that kind of yeah, yeah, just kind of gravity towards. But it's like oh, like th- there's it. Gi- it gives you options when you're watching other games, so you don't just have to watch the Predators and do that whole stereotypical casual fan thing. And what do these teams have in common? Toronto, Tampa Bay, Edmonton, <laughs> the Kings, um, Dallas, and Colorado. What do they all have in common? Well, they're all really good. Yeah, it's almost yeah. as if you put these all these players together into one team. You and you had the right coach, you might have made a run or something. At some point, maybe so. I don't know. Maybe it was a, a, a lot of in time. It's a lot of talent that, that's out there that used to be wearing Predators gear all at the same time. It <laughs> is. But are they winners, though, Braden? Are they winners? We're bringing in Ryan O'Reilly and Luke Shen to win and Ryan McDonough. So are they winners, sure. though? Um, 
Yeah, those guys all have more rings than the ones you just mentioned. <laughs> the, the entire list, actually. I'm not sure one of those has one of those players won a ring that's left the Predators. I don't think I got bring it back up. No, see, I thought we were done. So hold on, we'll see. Uh, no, I don't think a single one. We- Weber, not one of them. No. I don't think not one of them no. has won a ring. No. So we so so like the three free agents they signed this year have more rings combined than all those players we just mentioned. That is correct. And even if even if you put Seth Jones on the list, which I which I conveniently left out, you're no, right. No rings. Uh, nope. Okay, quick, quickly. I saw some two two quick notes here. Go to Jasper's, of course. Uh, two quick notes. Um, I thought this was interesting. According to the, the 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 Predators, which again, there's always more empty seats than what the Predators report, which is just how this works. But they were at 100.3 percent of attendance for the Edmonton game, seventeen thousand two sixteen. No chance that was real. But <laughs> but but even if you even if you take a couple thousand off of that. It's still not even close to what some teams are dealing with. So I, I I say that because it was a six-one blowout against the team, and and certainly more people are going to buy tickets for Connor McDavid, right? And McJesus and Drysaddle and company, yes. and and at home coming back. So it's a meaningful game. But Winnipeg's a pretty decent team. Many people think they're better than Nashville. Going to have a chance to make the playoffs this year. They've got a world-class goaltender and some top-flight top-line centers. Uh, like that's a decent decent hockey team. They had eleven thousand people in attendance on Tuesday. That is the worst since they returned to Winnipeg. So Winnipeg 2.0 and San Jose, which nobody has any expectations for, had 10,000 people at their building. We are talking 60% full and that's what they're reporting. So you know the numbers are actually lower than that because everyone over-reports mostly. First of all, I think I'm curious how long, if the team is in last place, how long Predators fans keep showing up. I do think there is a renewed enthusiasm because it's new. And people want to see something new. So I think that will carry the ticket sales for a while. But also, it could still be a whole lot worse. You could have a pretty decent team with a chance to make the playoffs in Winnipeg. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it's like gorgeous in Canada this time of year. And like they're all out hunting. But I don't know like why you're not, why people in Winnipeg are not going to that stadium in that game and to watch that team. That That is, that's a concern. So Predators fans, it's not the worst. No, you could be Florida. Yeah. And I always bring that up because Florida is a team that, you know, with the Stanley Cup final, obviously, you know, they, they've got a lot of great big ticket players. They used to have Hur- Huberdo. They've got Barkov, who's tremendous. They've got, you know, Kachuk. They've got a lot of Bobrovsky, if you want to throw him in that list. I don't, but a lot of people do. So Aaron Ekblad, there's a lot of really great pieces to like in Florida, and they still can't do anything. They're still, it looks terrible. So uh, in that building. So you could always be Florida. Carolina is another example. If you want to go back to maybe not now, but let's just say 10 years ago when they actually have been to a cup and they, you know, they were kind of in like not a down spiral, but they're kind of in like a lull. It looks sparse in Carolina, right? So, and those are Southern markets, which is why I bring them up. If you're Nashville, you could see that. You could see a lot of, you know, how it looks, Braden, when you walk into a game. Maybe it's like, uh, maybe Paul's doing the opening night lineups or something. And it's like maybe 60% full, but like 40% full downstairs. Right, the cameras are getting yeah, all the yeah. kind of. You could have that all game long. Yep. So it 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 could be much worse. So Nashville, you're doing a good job. Keep coming out and supporting the team, uh, but don't get down on the attendance numbers because they that it could be worse. Yep, uh, I I agree. Um, and speaking of the the Florida Panthers, like I really need uh, Montour back in the lineup, please. So if he could if he could get healthy for my fantasy squad, that would be beneficial. <laughs> uh, shout out to Internet Predators who beat me in the first week. I will give credit to anyone who beats me in our league. Uh, so shout out to him. That's not you, right? I don't think that's you. No. Um, no. But Gover's in the league, of course, and so is Michael Gallagher, and so am I. Um, and uh, there are, I just want to say, there are a lot of predators on the waiver wire, boys. 
Yes, there are. And there's a reason for that. And there's a lot of former Predators on the waiver wire as well. Well, a uh, reason for that as well. Yes, there is. Uh, goal scoring <laughs> is a problem. Uh, UC Saros, first round pick, though. Yeah, of I course. Did, I, yep. I didn't. I did enjoy that. I enjoyed that because you knew there was going to be a race for, for UC. You always and, do. Always the home team. And, you know, getting pulled in the fourth game, not ideal. <laughs> no, but, but it's, but it's, it's Edmonton. It's, so. it's Edmonton and it wasn't his fault. So you're saying you know, he's not he's not he wasn't playing poorly, but so when so dry not, lighting you up, so you you're know. not saying it's all your fault is what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's, it's not all your fault. Not no. all your fault. No. <laughs> New podcast coming from the National Scene and the National <laughs> Post. It's not all your fault. Um, OK, so last one here is and I, there's a great athletic story. I, I'm not going to re rehash it, but go read it about how the NHL uh, put together like a montage of coaches ber- berating the officials. And of, co- and of course that led to all of Nashville t- predators, Twitter, just tweeting, just posting as many possible videos of Tim Peel as they could. Uh, who's, who's the ref who said, I got to get the fucking predators a penalty. Uh, yeah. That's a terrible, terrible accent. But um, <laughs> it, like, I always thought that, that, that whole thing was blown out of proportion. That whole, like, like if a, if a team, if a team is playing a really strict type of game, eventually you need to kind of teach him a lesson. So I don't think it was like as nefarious as people think like, Oh, this guy's hated us for his entire life. Like, I don't think that's what it was, but it's still a very funny trope for, for fans to hang on to. Anyway, what I think is really funny is they, they did it in sort of like a funny tongue in cheek, trying to like make the coaches laugh, but they brought all 32 coaches together and they basically were like, y'all need to calm the fuck down. Like just calm down, stop attacking the officials. So I think they did it the right way. I think you can try to make it humorous, try to make it funny, and still hopefully get your point across. And so just keep something to keep an eye on. I don't know how you've made... What, what do you make of Andrew Burnett's sort of bench behavior? Because John Hines famously very... Um, he, he appeared to be sort of apathetic to what was going on. That was not what was happening, but that's how he appeared. Laviolette, of course, full of piss and vinegar at all times. Um, what do you make of the bench behavior of Andrew Burnett for the first four games? I think it reminds me a lot of Trotz because Trotz would look uh, not unengaged by any means, but he would not be passionate on the bench until he had to be. He knew that he knew that it was a chess move to wear out the officials because Scotty Bowman knew it was a chess move to wear out the officials where if you're berating them all game, every game, they're not going to listen to you. Yeah, I don't like care talk- how many cups you've won. It's like talking to a kid. Yes, but it's if like you that. are, if it comes out of nowhere, they will at least take notice. And then you've got a chess Bingo. move there that you've made to where two or three plays or maybe even two or three games later, they're, they're thinking, oh, well, he, he must have, he, I, I made him, he must have been right on this other thing. So, because he, he never says anything and he said something. So now it, it's all a chess game. So. I, it reminds me of that. I think he's taken a lesson from Trotz, right? The original Predators coach. Obviously, he was on the original Predators team, and I think he is—he's, you know, he's passionate. He's fine. He's lively, yeah. but he's not going to berate the officials uh, until he has to, until he's got to make a play. And I think that's the smartest type of coach, actually, yep. is that plays that part of the game too. It's not about lineups. I mean, it is, but I mean, it's not all about lineups or the personnel you've got and where you're putting them and the strategy of that and the system. That's all a part of it. But there's another part, let's like let's say eight to ten percent part of the game that is not even played on the ice per yep. se. Yeah, and this is one of them. No, I think I think you're exactly right, and it's exactly like parenting. Please, please, can you not hit your sister? Please, leave your sister alone. Please don't hit your sister. 
if, if I have to ask you one more time to please not hit your sister, I'm going to say it in a very different tone of voice. And then you yell at them and it gets through. Right. So like, it's exactly how you parent. Um, but you're right. It's Phil Jackson famously for the Lakers knew how to do this. Yep. Um, and, and you just have to sort of work them. You got to work the, work the refs, work the refs, work the refs, but you got to do it in the right way so that when you are upset, people are like, Whoa, I totally agree. I think that's the right way to do it. So, um, there you go. I think that's it. Uh, otherwise, we'll have a lot more next week. Of course, we got a bunch of hockey coming up. Uh, keep an eye on those expected goals per- rates and the shooting percentage, and maybe they'll get a power play goal from from here on out. And of course, n- we'll probably have nothing to discuss about Peter Laviolette. So no, nothing at all. Never I'm sure he will uh, not make his presence known at all. Where can you? Where can people find you and your work? AP Radio. Where can they find all your stuff, Jeremy? At AP Radio, you can listen to all my stuff there through that service. Uh, on Twitter, obviously, is where I'm most. Uh, Twitter is where I'm most uh, I'm present at it's Govertime, I-T-S-G-O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. And then, of course, you can follow, and I hope you do, listen and subscribe to the It's All Your Fault podcast because that is my main lifeline to the Predators fans every single week on the air. I, I do random radio hits and things like that, of course, as well, but they're not scheduled. So that is the best place to get my content is at I-A-Y-F podcast on Twitter. And, of course, me at It's Govertime. Have you figured out a schedule for that show this week, this this season? Are you, you going to yeah. be consistent, Gover? I'm going to do this on the air. I'm going to do this no, on that's the fine. air. I no. So the so for those who don't know, the expectation is every Monday morning is that we post a show, right. and then it goes into the, the you know 440 Sports Canon and all these things. But because of my cruise last week and being completely disconnected and all those things, I was catching up on actual work on Monday, and then uh, Tuesday I was able to put it out. And uh, I'm very excited. I'm very thrilled with how that episode actually turned out. But yes, yeah, Monday great. is the goal every single week. Uh, Where, I'm very excited about it. Were you North Cruise? Is that a Northern Cruise? Nope. It was, uh, unfortunately, I'm not a heat guy. So uh, we were in the Caribbean. My wife and kid had a great time, but right. I was really hot. I've done, a, I've done a Caribbean cruise. I think they suck. It was I've fun. Done, it was our first I've, cruise. We'd, we'd never been on one before. It was, it was awesome, but I just don't like the heat. So I've done an Alaskan cruise. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. We've already booked it. We're doing it in May. It's awesome. We we yes. stayed in Seattle. We hung out in British Columbia. We went to Skagway. Yeah, can't we wait. Ate, we ate fish and chips in Juneau. Like it was awesome. It was one yep. of the coolest experiences of my life. Cannot recommend it anymore. You're gonna love it. Uh, the cruise in the Caribbean, I think, is super basic. I just think it's. I think it's. <laughs> it might be, but it's a. It was a good starter cruise, Brady. There, there you go. That's exactly what I did. I did a starter cruise in the Caribbean. I was like, this yep. is okay. And then we went to Alaska, and I was like, this is incredible. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's but, exactly but what we're doing. I'm not a big cruise guy in general, so I'm, I, either way. Either way, thank you for hanging out with us, man. We do appreciate it. You can follow them there on the show. It's all your fault. Everywhere you get your podcast, rate, review, subscribe, five stars. We are off and running, folks. Uh, Michael will be back next week. We do appreciate you hanging out. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening. Go to Jasper's, of course, as well. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>